0: Good morning. Ian Power here, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, and Mike Given, our technical producer. And I have no idea why, but Mike's got... He just has the silliest grin on his face. I hope everything's okay in there. Everything everything okay in there? Oh yeah, Everything's good. No. It's just happy to work with you, Ian. Good. Well, it's nice to be here. Coming up in a few minutes from now, we will talk to the vice president of Fortis, B.C., And their response to the city of Vancouver's zero emissions building plan sounds like pretty heady stuff, but something that you ought to inform yourself about, I think, because something's coming one way or the other, and we ought to know more about it. We'll find out from the vice president of Fortis, BC, who will be joining us in a short time from now. Uh, we have also a, lots of opportunity for you to join us this weekend because it is the weekend, and we know that the weekend adventure simply would not be complete without the opportunity for you to screw something up at home. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Not, No, that's not what I meant, to fix something at home mm-hmm. or do something at home. I, if you're anything like me and you think, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You know, I have Saturday and Sunday off, so let's just leave it till then, and, and I'll deal with it. Well, you know what? It's Sunday, so we'll open up the phone at 604-280-9898 right away if you want to get in here. If you've got any questions, put the little contractor to task and see if you can't get an answer to your question. If you're stuck on something, laying floor, putting up molding, doing your deck, what have you. You just built a new deck?
1: I did. Finally, it was kind of painful. It took me two days to build it, a marathon build, and five days to stain it. Really? Why so long? Ridiculous. Yeah, seriously? It, yeah, actually it was. I had to do it in steps and stages. I couldn't do it in the sunlight. I had to put up barriers. Uh, doing the spindles, I had to make sure I wasn't dripping everywhere. I wanted to do a good job. That, that first... Uh, tack of stain was the most important.
0: Okay, so my question then is, why did you stain it so quickly? I thought, what happened is Yeah, you got to let it age twenty-eight
1: days. What's well, funny, I did get that uh, very stern warning from the rep at the paint store. I, I bought some very good quality stain. Uh, this is this is eighty dollars a gallon retail for this stain. You could have got new stuff for that uh, much. I had to go. I did. I went and bought another gallon. Uh, I didn't have enough, and um, they did advise that. And so I found myself in an awkward position because my advice has always been, as long as it is dry to the touch it hasn't rained hours beforehand right. uh, you go ahead and stain it because the stain will still allow moisture to escape and uh, i've i've so now i've actually done the official trial test i've i've not heeded the professional advice of the guy at the paint store gone with my own advice that i've been doling out and i have now done it so that i have i uh, done the stain right away. It was dry, but I haven't had to um, let it season, if you will, and, and um, well, the
0: test is on. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about the seasoning. I mean, how long had that lumber been around? Do you know that? I mean, you go and buy lumber. How do you know where it's been sitting? You don't know if it's just come off the boat.
1: Well, that's true. So, so there is there is a natural moisture content. I've got a I've got a double edged sword here. I used cedar, uh, clear cedar, for the handrail and the uh, the tops of the handrail, and I used pressure treated material for the deck boards and the stairs. So, is it because it's in contact with the ground and it's the wearable surface, etc. I could have gone cedar with the deck boards, a lot more money, but uh, just went for the color contrast, just for a design idea. So there is a lot of moisture in the pressure treated because there's the chemical moisture that's in there. That dried out. Fortunately, I've got a very good exposure sun exposure deck, so it did help it. But I had to get some finish on it because as it dries out too quickly, it can crack. Uh, pressure treated does do that. It cracks, particularly on the stairs. So I want to get some protectant on that. The cedar dries very, very quickly. Look at a fence, how long it takes for that to dry. And so the moisture content in there, I didn't stick a meter on it. Uh, but I was comfortable in that in, in, in experience that I, I could go ahead and stay in it. When did you finish it? It was uh, well the fascia board, the exposed fascia board was painted. Um, I guess it was Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, so Wednesday afternoon,
0: Thursday, Friday, Saturday,
1: Sunday. Yes, I haven't,
0: I haven't had one beer or one one steak. Uh, well, you have you haven't brought it over? Ken, how you doing? <laughs> not bad. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's like going on at your place?
2: I like your show and I need your help. I've got a, an unusual. Well, it's not a big problem, but. I had a um, my drain was not flowing well in the uh, in the bathroom. And there's two there, there, there's two sinks. It's double, so I got some drain cleaner and put it in, and it, it works really good now. When I when I when I pull the plug on the water, you hear it flowing out, so it's doing really well. So I'm, I have no problem in that area, but from the drain, I'm getting a kind of a musty smell. It, it it smells similar to I guess what you would have like if you if you have a when you're washing your clothes if you have any any uh, lint that gets wet. It has that sort of musty smell, right. and I can't seem to get rid of it. I, I, I'm putting different things down the drain, and, and, and you know the drain's working okay. It's flowing. The water, you know when you pull a plug, the thing drains. You can hear it draining properly, but I can't figure out how to get rid of that smell.
1: What we may be finding is that that musty smell is coming from the overflow of the basins. There's a hole in the sink somewhere that goes down internally and drains in the event, of, of course, the sink uh, before it would overflow goes down there. Since you've cleaned the drain out and everything's working well, that's now just the last thing that's standing out it, it, and there's some organic in there, bubbles from soap or just uh, just grit and grime in there. Try to clean that out with some vinegar. Don't use drain cleaner down there. I want to try to discourage you from, from commercial chemical drain cleaners because they really they help now, but they will cause a problem later on.
2: And so they, just just put some plain vinegar,
1: white vinegar. Just yeah, some white vinegar. If you can't really pour it in there, so maybe a spray bottle, and that'll that'll just spray around the whole area. It'll smell a little bit of vinegar, of course, but it'll go away. You can chase it down with some baking soda if you can get some in there. But just it, it's really just got to get cleaned out. Let it sit for a bit too. Absolutely, but, and then uh, chase it with some hot water. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's a mm-hmm. great idea. Well, I'm glad you
2: guys uh, took my call because I was I was running out of things to do. Now now you solved my. problem. Well, you
0: got one more thing to do, and if that doesn't work, you'll call us back or send us an email and. Uh, We'll we'll go from there. There's always uh, there's always something you can do. Somet- you, sometimes sometimes it requires dynamite. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, he, Ken reminded me of my neighbor. Uh, my poor neighbor found out the hard way that she had tree roots in her in her sewage line. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh. So I I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but essentially what happened was her her toilet backed up.
1: Yes, of and course. And
0: it <laughs> this poor woman she had it she had it all over the place oh. her entire main floor was um was pretty disgusting wow got the plumbers over they put the they put the uh, the camera down there and they found that there was a, a one there was a, a breakage in the pipe and there was plant root significant plant root blocking the drain wow oh. so and mm. this is this is not on city property so guess who gets the bill? She does. Yes, of course. So my question to you is, uh, what do you do? Like, how how We don't think about stuff like this until these kinds of events happen. Right. The sewage line that, that runs under our house or outside of our house and goes to the property line, which I understand is, is our, our own concern, how
1: often should these be camered? How often should they be cleaned, if at all? Well, I don't know if there's a real sort of a timeline. It's not like... You know inspect your roof um seasonally this is this is one of the things that you really don't know until something occurs now if you're really proactive i guess you could uh, you if you had availability of a camera or someone that did it it's a cost that we really don't want to endure well this is it and one of the things that the plumber said was
0: that you should and i don't remember that the interval but you should be doing a regular
1: hydro flush sure we, we talk about that for perimeter drains as well you could do that in your soil line, your waistline, but you'd really never really notice that it's getting bad because you never really notice how slow things are now getting to flush out. So I guess if you have to, if if nothing has happened and you're living in an old house, let's say you're living in a house of 30 years old and you have a lot of trees in the area, big oak roots, big trees and a lot of vegetation around there. You're seeing the sidewalk heaving. You're seeing the ground lifting a little bit here and there, the roots that are coming to the surface. That may give you some indication uh, and to say, you know, maybe I should have this looked at. Maybe do it every few years or at least have a look at it. Get a, get a plan, get a base route to say, okay, it looks okay at this point.
0: And I would add, if your toilet or your, uh, your drainage uh, is gurgling or giving you any kind of sign, these things don't just happen. They, That's right. They, they do take some time, and there might have been some warning signs that perhaps she could have heated. Nonetheless, it's, I'm not pointing a finger at her because... Lord knows she's up, she's up to her ankles in it right now. Mm-hmm. We can uh, talk more about this or what's going on at your place uh, after we speak to the Vice President Doug Stout of Fortis, B.C., which we'll do after the break. And then we'll have plenty of time for open line as we keep going. In the meantime, if you have a question or if you just want to browse around, the Home Discovery Show Facebook page is open 24-7 and we'll be back with Fortis BC after this break on the Home Discovery show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power and Steve Seaborn, the little contractor sharing Sunday morning with you, on Wednesday, City of Vancouver Council endorsed the zero emissions building plan which was prepared mainly by city staff Prior to that meeting, we had City of Vancouver's Green Building Manager Sean Pander on the Home Discovery Show to give us some idea what's in uh, what seems a rather ambitious plan. The plan essentially lays out four action strategies to require the majority of new buildings in Vancouver to use 100% renewable energy and have no operational greenhouse gas emissions by 2025, And that all new buildings achieve these outcomes by 2030 it got me thinking about energy what our needs uh, how much do we need uh, where does it come from how is it delivered and what does that energy look like and what impact does it have on our environment and what i really hope to do was to expand the talk on this topic so i invited doug stout to join us and he agreed Mr. Stout is Vice President, Market Development and External Relations with Fortis BC, and we're happy to have you. Welcome to the Home Discovery Show. Oh,
3: thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me today.
0: Can we get, jump right into this? Uh, Fortis has some concerns. Uh, I don't think that's a secret for which uh, a letter was sent to the Mayor and Council by the President of Fortis BC. Um, where, where do you think that the city planners got this plan wrong
3: well I think uh, Ian we've I mean we've been supportive of reducing emissions in buildings for a number of years we offer energy efficiency programs to to uh, homeowners and businesses and there's been great uptake of that but but our biggest uh maybe two issues one is around um, the plan of picking a solution an energy source and, an, and a tool uh, that looks ahead thirty five years and we just think there's going to be a lot more innovation as there has in the past year around energy form and uh, Tools that can be used, so it can open up more opportunities for people for creativity and an optionality as you see things evolve. And we think there was um, needs to be some more meaningful consultation going on. So the city did have some some meetings with a number of folks. We were in, <coughs> excuse me involved in a couple, but we think that uh, given the ramifications of this for the city, there should be a, a broader scope and deeper consultation going on in this plan.
0: Would you say is is it fair to characterize this as? Perhaps a bit short-sighted on the on the part of this plan.
3: Um, yeah, I, I think it could you could use the term short-sighted. I think it's I think it's long-sighted. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a vision, and I think the country's moving, the world's moving to reduce emissions. So that's uh, definitely you need to take steps along the line. Uh, the question is uh, how to go about it and and how to stimulate it to happen in the best possible way.
0: Well, you said that you had a couple of uh, consultations uh, <laughs> with this uh, this panel. Was and, and I take it that perhaps maybe not enough, do you think that there should have been a longer period of discussion on this, or do you think that maybe this plan was a bit rushed?
3: Well, I think you probably need a longer period of discussion i need it I think it needs to include a broader array of of people. There were some you know architecture firms i 'll call them think tanks involved, uh, some builders and developers, so a smattering of folks from across the region, but probably not consultation with the people that will actually live and work in the in the buildings at the end of the day
0: sure well what what impact if any do you think this would have on existing fortis customers
3: well uh, as we move along here and, and take gas out um it's going to have a, a cost impact i mean a, a family of four today in vancouver saves about fifteen hundred dollars a year using natural gas for space and water heating as compared to using electricity so we'd start to see some movement there uh, let alone the cost of of converting or, or upgrading homes
0: right so this really won't affect uh, older properties. This is strictly for, for new properties. And I guess eventually the hope is, or the plan at least, is to eliminate all fossil fuels, including natural gas, except for renewable, uh, such as uh, natural gas from biofuels.
3: That's right. It's uh, I believe it's 2030 that you have gas gone in all the new buildings. But the plan does uh, target by 2050 to have gas gone from all buildings, like you said, except for... For biogas from renewable renewable sources, which which is being used in in Vancouver today by about 900 people, uh, we developed a renewable natural gas program a number of years ago, capturing gas from landfills and digesters on farms that use uh, animal waste and vegetable waste. So that's been moving along. Um, it has some uptake, and there's probably there's more to be done, and there's more technology evolving, potentially using wood to create uh, to create a renewable natural gas, that type of thing.
0: Poor consumer energy management, uh, I'm talking about homeowners, building operators. We know that can be wasteful, expensive, uh, a bigger-than-necessary contributor to greenhouse gases. Well, you'll likely agree that I'm also pretty sure that you would say that the exclusion of choice, and and given some of these energy innovations that are either in the works or coming to be, would be a better way to go than just saying, no, you can't do this or you can't do that.
3: that no, that's exactly right. And I think setting, setting the goals and letting uh, the world innovate, and there's a lot of that happening. I mentioned the biogas. Um, you know, in Asia and, and in the U.S., we've seen uh, natural gas fuel cells harkening back to Ballard Power and, and what they've been working on for years. But those are coming into to play in, in uh, commercial buildings in scale where they produce power and heat to, for hot water and uh, and heating. So, you know, that type of thing is evolving. It still uses natural gas, but it has zero emissions at the, at the end point, which I think that's the goal is the GHG reduction.
0: Exactly. And uh, again, I don't think any of us would disagree with the, that being a, a lofty goal, but perhaps something that we really need to seriously take a look at. I'm a, personally, I'm a big fan of the the passive house concept, not necessarily the design itself because I don't know enough about that sort of thing, but I like the idea of having a tighter, more comfortable environment to live in, one that is more energy efficient. Can that be achieved and still have natural gas?
3: Yeah, you can still have a a very, very um, soundly built home or building. Uh, reduce reduce emissions by reducing energy consumption. So I don't think there's a problem with with that. In fact, that's probably one of the easiest ways to go because that really, um, if you improve the building envelope, it takes away uh, worrying about whether I set my furnace properly or do those things as far as energy consumption. I won't need to, to move things around and I won't need to consume as much. So that, that's, a, I think, a good step.
0: Well, one of the things that Fortis does very well, I think at least, and that is to work with... Uh, developers, contractors, homeowners at uh, educating on energy consumption and ways to save energy, how to make your home uh, more efficient through different grants and incentives. Why can't we do more of that? Because one of the things that I talked to Mr. Pander about was the increased cost that it will take to make these buildings come to life, and, and, and they're significant costs.
3: No, no, they are. And, um, you know, we, we've had... Uh energy efficiency programs in play for a number of years. We we invest about $35 million a year in energy efficiency programs from our natural gas utility across the province. About $5 million in 2014-2015 went into um, homes and businesses in the city of Vancouver. So they were able to reduce, reduce emissions and save money and, and take advantage of that. And our goal is to keep that program going and uh, we're looking at ways to, to expand it and make more options available for people. So We think that, you know, is a way to transition and a way to to, to mute the impact on homeowners a bit.
0: Does Fortis have an an alternative to this plan? Uh, Assuming that that you would agree that we need to lower greenhouse gases, I think that uh, most of us would agree that this is one of the biggest contributors to uh, our, our weather, our climate change. Uh, it's just, it, it's just something that we can't snap our finger at. I'm wondering what alternative would Fortis offer the city of Vancouver?
3: Well, I think the, as I said, some more consultation on this. I think the, um, the, you know, it's, it's great to have city leadership, but we do have integrated systems across the province and across the country that deliver energy and, and have economic impact. So I think there needs to be a coordination across across all those bodies we're seeing the provinces and the federal government provinces talking about that this past week and if you're going to make change when i'll give you an example the natural gas system in vancouver's integrated with the natural gas system that serves all of the lower mainland and then back to the to northeast bc so making changes in one municipality has knock-on impacts to everyone else and i think that's that's where we need to look at things and you know the built environment's about 10 to 11 percent of the emissions in bc if you look at transportation, that's more 37 38%. So, you know, the the big wins come in the transportation sector, and we keep having a growth in, in trade and goods and in movement of products that, that use up fossil fuels or different types of fuels. So moving in that direction, be that electric cars, using natural gas for transportation, maybe hydrogen one day, um, we think there's a big a big win on that side of things.
0: A more holistic approach, and, and it seems to me a little bit. And I wonder if you would agree with this that perhaps the city is in in their uh, their attempt, and perhaps being a bit zealous, or maybe even thumbing their nose at at,
3: at people. Um, yeah, I think they're they're being a bit bit zealous. I think um, trying to tackle a thing standalone is is not the way to go. We need that coordinated approach. Um, I don't know if they're thumbing their nose at folks, or maybe just saying we don't. We don't believe that the province or the federal government is moving quickly enough or aggressively enough. It could be the case, but I don't know on that front.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I live in a 40-year-old home, which is uh, operated on uh, electricity for heat. And my electricity bill is going up and up and up. And it's just crazy every time I look at it. And uh, I'm in the the throes right now, uh, having gone to Fortis, B.C., Not through you, (laughs) Uh, I'll have you know, uh, to have my house converted to natural gas, which is a a fair undertaking, but you know, I can't wait to to have it. And again, I want to say that I'm a big fan of reducing greenhouse gases. I think that if we all do our share and we have a combined holistic approach, that there may be a slightly better way. I I applaud the efforts of the City of Vancouver. I think that their goals are lofty, uh, but I'm just not sure that this part of the plan is workable it doesn't seem very practical on some level
3: that's right i think it, it it's it's um you know a, a laudable target and goals but it, it does need some work i believe to get it to to be doable for people
0: anywhere uh, our workable. listeners can turn uh, mr stout to express their views or opinions on this uh, do you have an open forum on this
3: um we haven't set anything up we do have um go to our website and put comments in and uh, we have a um we do have a website called Talking Energy. It's TalkingEnergy.ca, and uh, that's around projects we're undertaking in the Lower Mainland in our system. But that's uh, another way to contact to contact us and, and offer comments.
0: Really appreciate your time this morning.
3: Oh well, thank you very much. Thank Happy you. Do it.
0: Doug Stout is the Vice President of Market Development and External Relations with Fortis BC. In response to the City of Vancouver's Zero Emissions Building Plan, I really highly recommend you go online and learn more about it. This is important stuff, and this is all about our future. Home Discovery Show, back. Uh, we'll get into some open line. We'll get more into drainage, and we've got some updates on gypsum and other disposals. Oh, we're full of it <laughs> this morning on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back. My name is Ian Power. I'm here with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. This whole zero emissions building plan that went before council. We we just spoke to uh, Doug Stout with uh, Fortis BC. Fortis BC uh, sent a letter two days uh, prior to it going to council, expressing their concerns, um, some of which I, I I think have merit and need consideration. The city went ahead and they approved the plan. What becomes of that plan now, I'm not completely sure. This is pretty heady stuff, this whole zero emissions building plan, trying to wrap our heads around it. Uh, I'm, I'm not a contractor. I freely admit that you are, and I think that you're struggling in some ways to understand a lot of this. If you boil it right down to a more comfortable environment a more sound environment for your home that uses less energy and produces less greenhouse gas. Most of us know what that means, and most of us will quickly say yes to that. Absolutely. Even if there's an added expense to that initially, we feel that maybe the savings down the road will make up for that. Right. So you have a tighter home, a more comfortable home, uses less energy, more efficient, less greenhouse gas. What I what I don't understand is how you can take one component away, even though it's over a period of time, and still achieve that goal. Because does that mean now that every, and I, and I don't know the answer to this, does that now mean that every passive house that is built or every high-rise that is built with apartments in it will no longer have access to gas? So, for example, it means you can have a fireplace, you can have a, a cooktop or or does that mean you can't have a natural gas barbecue? Right. Well, the, that's
1: it. Exactly. These
0: are things that I, I really think we need to know more about. This is such a comprehensive plan that the city has put together. And as I say, over a lot of our heads, we need to learn more about it. So, I, I a I thank Sean Pander for originally coming on and explaining it because he does a very good job of presenting his case. And again... Uh, with Doug Stout from Fortis BC expressing his concerns, ultimately, I think all of our goals are very, very similar. It's it's how we get there. I guess in one hand, the city has to be applauded for taking the initiative. Albeit, as I said right at the outset, this is this is like this is out there. This is let's do it. This is in your face. Uh, perhaps Fortis might want to take a slightly more consultative approach and try to draw all parties together to achieve if not the same, similar goals. Mm -hmm. And I would put this question to you. Are you even interested in this? Do you want to hear about this? Does any of this matter to you as a homeowner? Somebody who's interested in homes? Somebody who cares about home improvement? uh, Do you care about the environment? Are you concerned about greenhouse gas or climate change or any of that? I'd be very interested in your feedback. 604-280-9898. Star 9898, if you're mobile, or you can go to the Home Discovery Show Facebook page. And I ask that question because we can do more on these kinds of things, energy efficiency, particularly on this zero emissions plan or any opposition to it or any consultation that might take place as a result. And if not, then we'll move on. We'll, we'll go back to other stuff that that we continue to to look at on a weekly basis. But if you care about this stuff, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's okay to eliminate fossil fuel from new buildings over a period of time? Does that make sense to you? For some it does. I'm not so sure as I said, I freely admit. I'm just looking at having natural gas delivered to my house for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I quite I'm quite looking forward to it. The thought of cooking on a gas grill, having a gas fireplace. The thought of turning down electricity which seems to be more and more expensive with each passing day i also like that idea too and it doesn't seem like that's going to be uh going down in price although it's pretty clean in this part of the world uh gordon yes what do you say
4: well I, i had a quick question i heard you earlier mention you were thinking of getting fortis uh gas heating in your house which is electrically heated now I have electrically heated out as well. And I was looking at uh, those heat pumps, the electrical-based heat pumps. Right. I'm just curious why you weren't considering those, because I've I've been hearing good things about them, and they seem to be
0: a good solution maybe. Well, I'll tell you why. I I like heat pumps. I think the heat pumps are great. I don't have the the infrastructure to really to make it work. The other secondary issue for me, and this may be a, a bigger issue and some just wouldn't even bother, I live quite close to my neighbor. So if I put in a if I put in a pump, I'm going to have to put that next to my neighbor. My neighbor is going to hate me, and I that's see. that's probably the biggest reason for me. The heat pump wasn't practical, although I think you're onto something. I think it's a really good idea, and it's uh, something that again is something that more people should be exploring when they're looking at, at 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 alternatives. It's also more expensive to put those in as well.
4: Well, I, yeah, I guess I'm kind of curious about that as well. I think I'm getting quotes of. Uh Sixteen, fifteen grand for three pumps in my my house, which one or two downstairs and one upstairs. Right. Uh, what's your Fortis retrofit can look like in terms of a rough estimate?
0: Well, uh, we're crunching numbers right now with Fortis, so I don't have I don't have the numbers that I can give you. But uh, you know, the, the nice thing about the heat pump is that what one of the big benefits that you'll get from that that I won't get is that you'll also be able to cool your house. In yeah. the summertime, which is really big, but but stay tuned. And when those numbers from Fortis come in for my place, I don't want to I don't want to conf, uh, confuse apples and oranges because my sure. dealing with Fortis is quite apart from what we're well, we're dealing with here.
4: Yeah, and then I'm just sort of roughly. I wasn't you know needing specifically quote on your place, but just sort of roughly. I mean. I guess you pay, pay for getting a line run down your yard into your house you got pay for
0: you've got to have a line um, you've, you've got to have and then you've got to put in the, the, all of the uh, the grid inside uh, your property to make uh, up yeah. to the meter to make it happen and then you've got to retrofit on the inside of your house which is all very doable and, and I've had some prices on that uh, part of what I'm trying to do is I'm also trying to get some kind of uh, if I can uh, get some credit. Through different various uh, rebates and incentive programs to make it a little bit more affordable.
4: But on the Florida side, you'd have to—would you get a like a central furnace then, and you'd have to run ducts everywhere? Is that kind of part of the up retrofit?
0: Uh, not exactly. I won't be using any ducts. Uh, most of the heat will be generated through a fireplace, and oh, okay. and I don't have I don't have a huge floor plan, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be able to augment that through through a variety of fans uh, different speed fans and uh, with a temperature control okay so that I can uh, I can heat a specific room using a specific speed on the fan okay if that makes sense I mean so, it's very so rudimentary but so not uh,
4: every so I guess basically saying if you can get sort of these gas-fired fireplaces that's one way to avoid ducks altogether then that sounds like an idea that might work for me as well
0: and that would work for me because i, I my place is isn't that big it's just over 1500 square feet yeah, so it's, it's not a it's not a huge uh, yeah. it's not well, a huge I, property
4: i run a wooden fireplace in the winter and it heats the whole house uh, pretty much so maybe uh gas furnace in the same spot would do the job great okay thank you for your help
0: Nice talking to you. Uh, Bill, uh, please hang on the line if you want to join us, 604-280-9898, star 9898. Bill, we'll get to you next. Uh, We're talking about zero emissions or anything else that's happening at your place on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Zero emissions. That's the City of Vancouver's plan Uh, by the year 2030. uh, They want to have zero operational greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and part of that plan would be the elimination in new buildings or most new buildings of fossil fuels of which natural gas would be one of them although one of the gases that would be permittable is uh, what they call neighborhood renewable energy systems so biogas which is being produced by companies like fortis bc Uh, we had uh, quite some time ago we talked to uh, the guy who produces hard bite potato chips in the valley uh, he's one of these uh, farmers that is producing biogas on his property. Bill in Vancouver, good morning.
5: Good morning. What do you think? Well, I think it's a great idea, and I think uh, encouraging people to go along, down this path um, is fantastic. I mean, myself, um, I just converted a 30-foot cabin cruiser boat to um, zero emissions. Like, I don't run off of uh, gas motors, diesel motors. Which is generally driving the house power in a boat. Mm-hmm. My whole boat is zero emissions, and my next project will be zero emissions house. And once you actually realize um, how simple it is to do on a smaller scale, you know, you're just you're just basically increasing um, what you've already done. So I think that uh, I just I think that encouraging people to look down this path is 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 um is on track with what Vancouver' is trying to push for the future so
0: well we 're definitely uh and if you 've listened to this show at all over the past five or six years uh this is something that we 've spent a lot of time talking about, and that is energy conservation how to retrofit to, if not build your new house to a, a better standard and we 're definitely in favor of all kinds of things that will be better for our air quality and for uh, the environment in general particularly as it applies to the landfill. Exactly. So, it's okay to to have these goals of zero emissions, but is it fair that one city takes it on? So, for example, if you've got the city of Vancouver going for the zero emissions plan, but Surrey, and I'm just saying Surrey and I don't know what their position is, or North Vancouver or you have a the neighboring municipality wants no part of it. Then, then, what's the good of it? So, what we're trying to say here, in some matter of fashion, is that if, like you, if we all do our part individually and and then collectively, we'll have a much better outcome. Would you not think that's uh, a better path?
5: Uh, definitely. I mean, I just think that someone has to be the pioneers, and I mean, you know, we're in the city, we're in the epicenter, so we have to we have to be the trendsetters. Like, uh, it's unfortunate, but I mean for the most part, the suburbs follow suit of what uh, the centre of the city does. Yeah. And we we just have to be the pioneers for that. I mean, my question, I guess, is, like, why is Florida so concerned? And um, maybe you can answer a question that I have about um, even if off you live off-grid, um, like, and I'm using air quotes there. Now, my understanding, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe someone can clarify that, is that if BC Hydro has... Power tapped into my property, but I choose not to use it. um, I can be actually fined for that. And so, I guess if that's true, uh, is is Fortis looking? I mean, I'm just curious why Fortis is is raising a bit of a think about about. Um, what a person's option should be and how they want to build and live in their home.
0: Well, I I don't speak for Fortis. First of all, I'm not sure about that uh, BC Hydro. BC Hydro and and Fortis, of course, are different. Uh, uh, As far as I understand, electricity use is based as is natural gas on your meter. So if you opt out, I'm not so sure how or why you would have to pay for it. And and as I said, I don't speak for Fortis, but I think what Fortis is expressing Is there, they feel that perhaps there's a lack of consultation or that there is a need for more consultation and that there may be uh, other innovations that are being ruled out at the expense of this natural gas grid that already exists. Uh, You know, and we don't claim, Steve nor I claim to have the answers. We're trying to have a conversation and, and trying to gauge what the level of interest is. And obviously you're interested, and that's great, and I appreciate what you've done with your boat and what you plan to do with your house. And I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it because there's been so little talk about that. I haven't heard any other programming on this zero emissions. This is a huge, huge undertaking. This is by no means a small deal, and yet I haven't heard any other programming on it. I haven't read anything about it in the newspaper, and I can't understand why nobody's talking about it. It suggests that maybe not enough of us care.
5: I don't. I don't think enough of you care. I think it's a matter of of, um, of just penetration with the messaging. Um, I, I think that a lot of people do care if they're given the option, and um, and I just think it's just a matter of time. It's a slow sleep into the public. Um, people just are, are really unaware of what's out there. Um, just simply, I think, well, especially in Vancouver, when people start talking about housing, their main their main um, goal right now is how are they going to pay for
0: just the to house. get a house.
5: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we already know what the problems are with that. So, you know, uh, modifying it or, or, say, building from the ground up, um, that would be very far in the back burner. So it, perhaps Vancouver is just in a catch-22 just simply because of the real estate pricing. Yeah,
0: I think you're right about that to a certain extent. I think, And I think that's one of Fortis' uh, uh, arguments is that, And you use the word options, and that's a huge word. And they're saying, let's not eliminate any of the options at at, at the expense of what might be a good outcome. i got to let you go at that, Bill. Terrific call. I hope that you'll call again, because I really appreciate your input, and uh, good luck. If you want to drop a line on what you did with your boat, I'd like uh, to hear a little bit more of of the detail of that. But we do have to take a break. Our phone is still open on the Home Discovery Show, 604-280-9898, star 9898. And we'll be back on News Talk 980 CKNW. Ian Power with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor on the Home Discovery Show. We promised an open line on anything happening at your place at 604-280-9898. And Rita's on the line. Hello there.
6: Hi. Yes. uh, Regarding hardwood floors, um, I wondered if you have any um, ideas regarding... um, They get very dark in the high traffic areas, I noticed you know, if you haven't been regularly looking after them. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just wondering what products. Someone suggested uh, palm oil soap and pine salt, but I found it didn't do very much, and I just thought, do you have to take steel wool after them? or
1: uh, This is a real solid wood, Rita, that's been stained yeah. and finished on site?
6: Um, well, no, it's an old 50s building.
1: Okay, but it's a solid wood, not an engineered floor, for example. Yeah, okay. yeah the so
6: old-fashioned kind, I guess. <laughs> the
1: The finish that's on there, you really should only be having to go at it with some, with some very light detergent, uh, dish soap even, just enough just to get up the organic uh, that's on there. If you have to get anything more aggressive, uh, certainly not steel wool, you know, that would take the top finish off, oh. then it might be time to have someone come in and look at restoring that finish. It might mean just a buffing and, and, a, and a new top coat the uh, the high-traffic areas should only just be organic dirt and things like that. It shouldn't go into the wood unless that finish is really worn down, in which case it's time to do it again anyways.
0: Chances are it is because uh, of the age of it. If you haven't had those uh, floors redone or repolished or anything like that in 50 years, uh, I'd say you're you're doing pretty good.
6: <laughs> okay. So you think they need restoring then?
0: Well, I think you should get somebody in just to have a look. Don't commit to anything until you've, you know, had two or three or four different companies over. Uh, We can make some recommendations off air for you if you like. Uh, It's just a question of having a look at it. It's hard to sort of imagine what you're talking about. I I have some ideas, but unless somebody actually physically sees it and and has an idea. But it sounds like uh, really based on what Steve is saying, what you're saying, uh, it's a question of age. And uh, there's there's likely something you can do,
6: yeah, and also the wood uh, kitchen covers, what's the what cleaning product would you say is the best
1: for? Again, that's the same thing. I, w- I would try to avoid try to avoid sanding or any kind of steel wool. You could lose the profiled edges. Uh, those there's a lot of there's a lot of different kind of soaps, wood soaps that can be used on the covers because they're vertical. They're not something you're walking upon. Uh, but again, check depending uh, on the age of them again and what kind of finish is on there, whether it's a varnish or lacquer or urethane or uh, any of those kinds of finishes to find out what the best uh, finish can be. If you can pop one door off and head down the hardware store, they might be able to identify that for you.
6: Yeah. Okay. All right. right. Okay. Thank you very
0: much. Nice to hear from you, Rita. Thank you. Uh, Steve, as we wrap up here, we have an update, a follow-up on what we were talking about last weekend with regard to disposal of gypsum and asbestos disposal. Um, We learned some new things this week. If you could just quickly go through that, particularly for the DIYer who's looking to uh, dispose of these materials that might be toxic.
1: Right. We're, we're talking with Andy Barrar and he had done a renovation and he found out that he had some drywall that was contaminated with asbestos. He, he was uh, safely got rid of it. What, we're to, what we've got the new information about or expanded on was getting rid of the new drywall. So you've just done a renovation last weekend. You have your offcuts. It's all brand new drywall. There's no asbestos in it because it's dated. You know you bought it yesterday. It's got a date stamp on it. You take it off to the landfill. There's a little bit of a hook there that, that we should clarify, and that is if there is any mud on it, now mud is drywall compound, the taping material that's on there, they will refuse it at the landfill because there is still that unknown, that that distrust that that could be contaminated because no one knows. So now it's, it's, it's impractical that you have mud that's 35 years old kicking around in the basement and you've applied it to your brand new ceiling. However... They don't know that for sure. So you will be turned away at the landfill stations if there is drywall compound on that new board or nail holes and screw holes. In other words, it's being installed. And it's simply as if you've installed a board and there's something wrong, you take a piece down and it's all brand new drywall. That still is a problem. If
0: you're disposing of something and you're not sure, go to their website and have a look at what uh, your municipality allows for. Absolutely correct. Right. Uh, we got to go. Uh, thank you for your time today, Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. Mike Given is our technical producer. Stay with us. Uh, Vancouver Consumer is next, and we're going outdoors for some fun in the summertime. My name is Ian Power. This is the Home Discovery Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.